0: Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities.
1: All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another GDT Tuesday with myself, Cody Coster, and with me from Chicago this time, Mr. John Spainhauer. John, how are we doing?
0: Good morning, everybody, or afternoon, I should say. I'm doing very well and uh, excited to be back here in my desk in Chicago. Absolutely. Excited
1: for the last GDT of 2021.
0: And boy, was it a barn burner, sir.
1: (laughs) It sure as heck was. Um, I mean, overall GDT down 1.5 percent. But I think one of the you had mentioned before we jumped on here, the the biggest talking points was whole milk powder down, what, 3.5 percent?
0: Yeah, whole milk powder was down 3.3%, and that was really the only major product category that I see that was lower on the day. Everything else was just, you know, ever so slightly higher. The problem is, you know, Whole milk powder represents such a big uh, a big weight in the index that everything else a little bit higher. Whole milk powder 3.3 percent lower. The overall index today comes in 1.5 percent lower. It's the first time we've seen that in uh, you know several several auctions now. So a few people are going to see this as a letdown. Um, I guess there sh- certainly you can uh, to see whole milk powder lower again. The first time we've seen that and. Uh, Well, on the whole milk powder side specifically, it's our first lower auction since October. And so a little bit of a a letdown there But on the flat price. But I think there was also a little bit of a letdown from the standpoint that the the futures, the Singapore exchange-based futures now, formerly known as the NZX, they were forecasting that prices were going to be higher than where they were uh, than what we ultimately resulted in, as well as they thought they, you know, they were projecting that whole milk powder was going to be two percent higher, and we came in 3.3 percent lower, so a bit of a letdown there. Do uh, you know the whole milk powder bowls? Non or skim was looking for, I believe, about a five percent increase, four to five percent increase, it only came in marginally higher as well, and I think that was. You know that's going to catch a few people off guard and say if you're looking for a bearish tone you can probably walk away with a small one on that but we would also say that we have not seen the skim milk powder uh, overall index go go negative now since the the middle of july so we've gone successively higher here since the middle of july and today even though we we're only 0.6 percent higher we were still higher
1: so I guess getting kind of the you know quote unquote like you said if you want to look at it on a bearish tone getting the whole milk powder you know out of the way there every other product was higher and if you look at some of the prices compared to ours namely butter and cheese we are still the cheapest in the world at this point it's still it seems like
0: you bet Cody um, I guess if I again I, I will just stand back and say. If I were to look at this from a 20,000 foot view and look in at it to say, okay, prices in New Zealand were, were steady today, that wasn't higher. Okay, well, they were steady, but they were steady generally at much higher levels than where we're at in the U.S. You know, the one exception would be our non-fat price. We're going to settle today at one sixty-six and a quarter. After this auction, New Zealand is going to be at $1.70 and Europe is going to be at $1.69. So I think we can go ahead and say, hey, look, we're you know right in the box with those guys. There's nothing to see here. The one main key differential I would point out is that our futures and non-fat are discount to the current spot price and our spot price is discount to the world. So not only do we have product available, uh, we have the ability to lock that in on a forward basis substantially cheaper than the rest of the world i think that's important as we look to the other products though we would say that new zealand cheese is roughly 238 eu cheese right there at 237 and our average is at 174 and a quarter a significant discount in cheese um, I, I look at today's result and the and the news that we're hearing out of europe and say even steady is uh, even a small decline in these European or New Zealand prices for cheese is in reality probably very bullish for the U.S. in terms of potential exports and our price, and the potential for our price to go higher. As we move over to butter, New Zealand came in at 272 today. We're at 214. Not that you know, there there is a price spread there, but I think it's very important to point out that in Europe, last week we saw the official print for the first time on this run, anyways, of European butter at three over three dollars, and and that's adjusted to a U.S. eighty percent fat content. So I think we need to to point out that the rest of the world is higher. This uh, auction here today. Again, is, is more just consolidation at those higher prices and more than likely will lead to exports moving forward of all of our dairy products. If we looked at it through the context of, you know, John, you just listed all of those commodity prices. What do they mean to somebody in a class three or a class four context? Uh, we, let's start out with the U.S. We're at 1881 class three. New Zealand is at 24.61 if we compare, you know, apples to apples here, and the EU is at 24.47. So you can see on a class three basis, we're about six dollars a hundred weight lower than the rest of the world. Moving on over to class four, the U.S. Uh, our our class four price is actually at 21.21 right now, which is, you know just incredible and it's great to see that happen here. Um, translate that into the rest of the world or excuse me translate the other commodity prices and New Zealand's at 23.76 the EU is at 25.12 so even though our class 4 is substantially higher than our class 3 there's probably still room for it to grow as it relates to the uh, international prices and then again our class 3 price well below our our own class 4 price but almost six dollars a weight lower than the rest of the world when it comes to a class three equivalent. I guess I just look at this to say, if there's any one product that this auction probably is the most bullish for moving forward in the short to medium term, I would say it's U.S. Cheese.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I think you and I talked about it uh, two weeks ago, John, on the last GDT podcast, but we just got the weekly numbers for, uh, you know, some of their Um, milk production, which we got ours yesterday for the United States, what 0.4% lower. We're looking at France, almost 4% lower for the week of December 12th, Germany, 3.2% lower, uh, the UK 3.1% lower. So do you think these lower, I mean, we're, we're talking a pretty astronomically lower on a percentile base for some of these milk production reports coming out of there. Do you think that has an influx on prices on the GDT going forward as big as it does as our milk production reports here in the States?
0: Well, it's a bit of a a difficult question to answer. Um, I think there are two independent things taking place right now that are affecting Our domestic price. The first is, as you spoke about, or as we spoke about earlier, world prices are significantly higher than ours in most products. Why are they higher than ours? They're more than like demand is pretty good. It's not rocking. It's not the heady days of China buying everything, or you know, people looking for product anywhere they can find it, um, just to own it. I would say what we're more than likely looking at in relation to European milk prices is a decrease in milk production. As you spoke about there, Cody, there's probably several reasons for that, you know, compressed margins at the farm level. But more and more, we're starting to see that this is probably there at least in, in good part, due to the unintended consequences of environmental regulations. If I were to say it another way, you know, there are policies in place in Europe right now that in order to reduce methane or, and other elements of the agricultural industry, and in doing so, one of the results is that as of right now, it is resulting in less milk being produced. I'd be lying to you if I said I completely understood those regulations. They are very complex, as you can imagine. But what we're seeing, and we've mentioned it a few times on this podcast, is that you know it's going to cost money to comply with a lot of these measures. And instead of making that investment, a lot of smaller scale European milk producers are choosing to exit the industry. Don't misunderstand me. They'll probably um, see some of the other people scale up and make those investments. But at the same, in the short to medium term here, you've got people exiting the industry and that is resulting in less milk. Production, I think we'll probably continue to see that. And from the just reading the tea leaves and some of the political rhetoric coming out of Europe, seeing that even after seeing those prices of dairy go up in, the, in this inflationary environment, it doesn't seem like the governments, uh, specifically the Netherlands, are going to back off and relent. In fact, it seems as though the entire European community might be tightening the screws on these regulations even more. I bring this up to say that that, what, is doing, what that is doing is reducing milk production, and it is probably putting a, an unintended quota on milk production. If the only way I can make more milk is to create more manure, and you're saying I have to create less manure, then that means I can't create more milk. So even if we see higher prices, which I, you know, as we mentioned here, uh, the EU is already at twenty-four and twenty-five dollars on their pricing categories. That should, or under normal circumstances, produce more milk and and create a milk response. I just don't know that we're going to be able to see that. Bring it over here into the U.S. And yes, there was some margin compression, and there probably still is margin compression. As you can see, we saw the. Uh, Milk production report yesterday. There was a pretty decent revision to the October milk production. It went from 0.5 under to 0.1 over. You know, we can say yes, that's a very big revision. I wish the U.S. USDA. How do I say this? I wish that wouldn't happen. It does happen, and it does cause a little bit of confusion. But I don't know that anybody can get really bearish over the idea of milk production only being 0.1 percent higher. And I think that's the result of margin compression go into this month's report and it's listing milk production at 0.4% lower again and a reduction of 15,000 cows from report to report or from one report to the other. Uh, I put that together and say, yes, we've lost milk and and maybe we continue to do so for a little bit here. But right now, correct me if I'm wrong, Cody, but uh, a dairy producer has the opportunity to lock in class four, you know, at least in that $21 area all the way across the uh, of the curve right now.
1: Yes, you are, you are correct.
0: And specifically with DRP, um, you know, just a great product and a a great development that people like Cody can walk any producer through. You you look at that and you say, with the idea of being able to set a floor in based at least in part on this $21 Class 4 level and, and grain prices having come down a little bit, it feels like that margin compression has opened up to a margin opportunity. And I would expect to see that U.S. milk production is going to respond in kind. And that will probably, I don't know that we're going to see milk go gangbusters, but I think as we go through time, the U.S. milk production will start to come back and probably start to go positive again. I I bring all that up through the, the lens of saying that I think the U.S. has the ability to respond to higher milk prices. I don't know that Europe does. And I think those are, uh, you know, that's an important bifurcation as we move forward. And we can imagine a scenario where if demand stays steady and can, continues to grow, and Europe cannot respond in kind with higher milk production, that leaves a huge opportunity for the U.S. to become a very significant supplier of dairy products to the rest of the world. And I'd like to point out that we already are a significant dairy supplier into the rest of the world. I guess it's important to say we've got the opportunity here to possibly go capture more of that market share. And I think that we've got the ability to do that. As I've said several times on here, what stands in our way of having more export capacity or export potential and the positive effects of exports would be the idea that transportation is still a mess, specifically at the ports. And as I've said many times on here, it doesn't matter how cheap you are in, in relation to New Zealand or Europe to a buyer if that buyer cannot get that product on a boat and get it to the destination where they need it. And so I would say that when our ports are running and when they're running smoothly, we're going to have exports. And as a result, we're going to see our dairy products stay steady to higher. If we don't have exports or the we have problems at the ports, which I imagine we're going to have from time to time, I would imagine that product is going to get burnt back up here into the domestic market. It will be uncontracted and free to sell, and it can have a negative effect on pricing here in the US but if we can imagine a world again where where the boats become even even slightly more consistent in their ability to get product out of the west, the west coast ports. I think that the cheese market here is in great shape. And again, at a six dollar a hundred weight or a sixty cent a pound discount to the rest of the world, you know there there's probably room for some pretty sizable deals to go off. And if that happens, then for our cheese prices to converge with the rest of the world
1: at higher levels. Understood. With it being the last podcast of the year, John, for 2021, is there anything, like, on a on a final thought basis that you would have to kind of wrap up the whole year? I know we've talked about a lot. I mean, astronomically high prices uh, for all countries kind of involved. We've talked quite a bit about the ports being shut down and, you know, uh, cargo ships not even being able to be, you know, set out to sea. Is there, like, a final thought that you would have before we let everybody go that would just kind of – anything that's on your mind to wrap up the year for for gdt
0: you know i'll bring it back to risk
1: management cody
0: and i will say uh from the producer side i've heard ryan yonkman say it on uh, your program several times and several of his producers be bullish and buy puts yep right um i'm i'm bullish here i i see it out here um this very much feels like, uh, again, it feels not exactly, but it feels very similar to the transition of 2013 and the 2014. Um, And I think there's the potential for higher prices in here. Like I've said many times, I feel confident in that, but I will never be able to predict when there's going to be a problem with boats. There probably is a significant problem with boats right now. And that's why we're at the price levels that we're at. I won't be able to, you know, predict what covid is going to do and neither are any of us so what i would say to a dairy producer is these are incredible prices i think there's Room for for growth there. Go ahead and get your puts done. Use DRP. Come back and manage it through uh, you know you know on the exchange as well. You know there's really just an excellent opportunity here. And then I would go back to the other side of things to the end users who may be listening to this podcast and say, yeah, we're at pretty high prices right now. We have not seen butter this high and. Two to three years, right? We haven't seen nonfat this high since 2014. We we saw cheese, you know, go higher than this last year, but this is still a relatively high price tier. There is a temptation to say I don't need to hedge my upside risk. And I think it's very important that people really think about that statement and say, yeah, I don't think prices will go higher, but what if they do? And what does that mean to my bottom line? And I think that really comes into the idea, the same idea of saying, maybe cross your fingers for lower prices, but you need to get some risk management done here and get some calls bought. You know, leave yourself some opportunity for downside. And at the same point in time, make sure that you're covered because, Again, we we can go back and look at the charts, we can draw the comparisons, but I I don't think I need to say much more than right now, we're in 1881 on class three and the rest of the world's over $24. We're at uh, 2121 in class four and the EU is at $25. I think it's important to remember that the issues that have got us to where we're at right now have not been solved and we don't see them being solved here in the short term. I guess the point I would make is, yes, we might seize downside. I could be wrong. But if I'm not, there's still a tremendous amount of upside risk here. And I would encourage the end users to get their calls bought or or find some mechanism that gives you some downside protection and yet protects you to the upside. Because we can still do some pretty crazy things. Last year, at $2, it seemed very high. And several, not several weeks later, only a few weeks later, we were at $3 cheese. I guess I just use that. That's not where I'm saying we're going. I just use that as an example to say, just because the price seems high doesn't mean we can't go higher. And again, to the producers, yeah, things feel good, but there is a lot of risk to $21 milk. Don't miss that. Use use the tools that are at hand, everybody. Make sure that when we get to this time of the year next year and 2022, we can all say, I did my job. I'm still here. And I look forward to 2023. With that said, Cody, I appreciate you having me on here several times this year. And I hope we, you and I can continue to do this into the 2022
1: year. Absolutely. I appreciate you being on, John. And I know a lot of guys that I talk to on a daily basis. Uh, look forward to this podcast coming out and, and your insight on the markets and everything uh, you know happening overseas. With that, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for a full year of GDT Tuesdays with myself and John. We will see you in 2022. Everybody have a great holiday, a great new year. Uh, we'll be back for a brand new year next year. Same channel. Tune in. We're going to you know, have some good things to talk about in the future. But until then, everyone have a good one. We'll talk to you soon.